Welcome to the Work Camper Show, a podcast devoted to helping you discover how to finance your RV travel dreams. I'm Steve Anderson, the president of Work Camper News. Each one of our episodes will either introduce you to people who are already living the RV lifestyle or to opportunities to work short-term jobs. You'll also learn how to hit the road the right way and make the most of every opportunity. Now let's turn over today's show to your host, Greg Gerber. Thanks, Steve. Today I'll be interviewing a couple of former police officers who found a new life in traveling and work camping around the country. Today's episode is sponsored by Work Camper News. With its diamond and platinum membership tools, Work Camper News is much more than just a job listing website. When you put the tools of this professional service into action, you'll find out just how easy it can be to turn your work camping dreams into reality. The one-year memberships open the door to a one-stop shop for all things work camping. Being the original resource for work camping, you'll find the largest number of job listings, be able to connect with the community of work campers, and view resources compiled by experts who have been enjoying the RV lifestyle for many years. If you're serious about leading a successful and enjoyable work camping lifestyle, then a diamond or platinum membership is for you. You can even get started with a free 30-day trial by visiting www.workcamper.com forward slash trial. Embark on new adventures today with the support of Work Camper News behind you. Hakim Saludin, who goes by the nickname Sal, is a Wisconsin native who first joined the Navy in 1990 and became a police officer after he retired from the service in 2012. But four years ago, he gave up his law enforcement career to start full-time RVing in a 23-foot Airstream. His partner, Rebecca Bailey, is from Chicago, which is about 90 minutes south of Milwaukee. She too was in law enforcement, working as a detective in South Carolina, where she met Sal. Together, they've been work camping ever since they embarked on their travel adventure. They primarily serve as campground hosts. However, they have also worked at a beet harvest and helped out at an Amazon warehouse. They were attracted to the travel lifestyle because their lives had become way too routine. After their children left the nest, they decided it was their turn to have a little fun. Of all the work camping jobs they've had, being a campground host is by far their favorite. It's relatively easy work. The jobs give them plenty of time to pursue other activities they enjoy, like mountain biking and hiking. But the best benefit is the people they've met on the job, including employers, fellow work campers, and other RVers. Some have become very close friends. The couple provides an honest review of their experiences working at Amazon. It can be difficult work, walking, bending, and standing all day, but the job pays very well and helps keep them fit and trim. That's why so many people love Amazon as a short-term gig to earn lots of money to pay for other recreation opportunities during the rest of the year. Sal and Rebecca also developed an appreciation for what farmers have to endure after working a beet harvest one season. Most people just go to the grocery store and have no idea where food comes from. A couple describe shoveling and bagging sugar beets in all kinds of weather to prepare them for transportation to factories where the beets become raw sugar. To tell us more about their story and describe what they typically do as work campers and describe how they formed the Tin Can Travelers group, please welcome Hakeem Saludin and Rebecca Bailey to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Rebecca and Hakeem. I really appreciate your time. Tell us a little bit about yourselves, like where you're from and where you are right now. Oh, well, uh, 
I, Hakeem, I am from uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, originally, and uh, joined the Navy back in 1990 and then traveled all around the uh, world and then retired in uh, 2012 and uh, then embarked on this journey after uh, doing some law enforcement in Charleston City, South Carolina. And um, that's we travel in an Airstream 23-footer and been enjoying it for the last four years. Mm-hmm. And I am Rebecca Bailey, originally from Chicago, Illinois, spent the last uh, about 20 years in South Carolina um, and retired as a police officer, uh, spent a good portion of my career in the detective bureau assigned to the special victims unit. Uh, and like my husband, Hakeem, uh, we got to a point about four years ago where we decided we were going to embark on a journey to travel the U.S. and our Airstream because we'd always wanted to travel but never could. So uh, that's what we're doing now. That's neat. And so, have you been work camping this entire time, or is this something new for you? No, we have been work camping pretty much um, uh, since the beginning. April of 2018 is when we hit the road, and shortly thereafter, we began work camping. What kind of jobs have you been doing? Uh, we've, uh, we started out with Amazon uh, doing the uh, Camper Force peak season in uh, 2018. Uh, started that in uh, Tennessee, Murfreesboro, and uh, then we got into camp hosting, and uh, we had never seen uh, the uh, West Coast and California, and so we decided that that looks like a, a good gig to do, and so we started camp hosting in 2019 and had been doing that uh, up until present, and every year we went back to Camper Force uh, for the peak season. And then we threw the beet harvest in there uh, and did North Dakota. Uh, so it, it, we have a, a variety of, of little jobs that we do. Oh, that's very interesting. What attracted you to this lifestyle? Uh, primarily the traveling. Uh, you know, being in the grind like we were, like most people are, you know, the nine to five, uh, sometimes six days a week. And days off consumed by household chores and, you know, errands and stuff like that. We had always just wanted to travel and just never got to the point where we could, anything significant anyways. Um, And uh, when we got to the point in our careers where we could retire and uh, make this change, uh, you know, kids were grown, flew the nest, they're off doing their own thing. It was just us. We decided we were going to be selfish. And so we sold the house and we said, let's go travel. Um, and then, of course, you know, we had to decide how we were going to go about that. And we couldn't think of a better way other than an RV. Yeah. And, and the, uh, the work camping side of it, definitely, it, it helps, you know, finance the travels that we're doing uh, without dipping into our savings. So it, it's a win-win. That's nice. So most of the positions that you've had have, all, have been paid, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we don't, we haven't done any volunteer work, not that we are opposed to that. Um, we definitely would, but as of, you know, right now, they've always been paid positions. It's what we've always looked for. Uh, free place to stay with full hookups for the RV. You get paid while you're working. And um, the great thing about work camping is 
there are opportunities all across the U.S. So it's a great way to get into some of those areas you really want to explore and visit. So you get there, you have a free place to stay, you get paid for working, and you get to, you know, go out and explore the area you really want to be in. So it works really well. It's a win-win, isn't it? It is, for sure, for sure. Of the jobs that you cited, were any of them, like, really favorites? For me, um, I would say probably camp hosting. I probably prefer that over the others. Um, I should clarify, I didn't work the beet harvest with (laughs) with Sal. Um, He did that by himself. They're rather long shifts, so we didn't want to leave our dogs home alone for 12 hours a day. Um, So he went ahead and did that. Um, So I don't think that's his favorite of them, but I'll let him answer that. But mine would be camp hosting. Yeah, I would have to agree with what Rebecca said, is that uh, the camp hosting, because it has allowed us to um, stay in in real scenic areas uh, that we would have, we didn't know of existed prior to uh, embarking on this journey. So uh, and we got into a lot of different things like mountain biking and hiking and camping. So the camp hosting side of it has introduced us uh, to a, a whole different uh, lifestyle. So I, I enjoy it as well. You get to meet a lot of people doing that, too. Oh, oh. gosh. meet so many people from so many different walks of life with so many stories and histories. And it's it's really interesting just the array of people you meet. I mean, it's just with a change of scenery and, and you're, you know, sometimes it's bittersweet because you meet people and you really, you know, form this bond and, and then the camping season is over and it's time to say goodbye. And you don't know if you're going to see them again, but um, we have made some lifelong friends since we've been on the road. And although we don't see them all the time, maybe once a year, if that, um, we still stay in contact with them, you know, via phone. Um, we just visited one of our friends in San Francisco not too long ago. Uh, so we've definitely made, met some great people and, and made some great friends. And camp hosting allows you to form rather a good community, not only with the other work campers, but with the guests of the campground and the staff. That, you know, those are some of the lifelong friends that we've made. Um, they were campers. That's, that's how we met them uh, in one of the campgrounds that we were hosting at uh, and what started out as just us checking them in has led to, you know, three years later, we're visiting them in San Francisco and they're putting us up in one of their apartments so that we can explore the city and hang out with them, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a wonderful experience and that's one of the things that we treasure the most. I mean, you get to see so many great places across the U S but the people, you know, are lifelong. Now that's a perk that most people don't even mention is the friendships that you make and the, the people, the opportunity to visit them in other parts of the country. Yeah, oh yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and one of the other good things is, is that, uh, in doing the camp hosting, you are almost, uh, like a RVing ambassador to a lot of the, the new, uh, RVers where you're teaching them how to level out an RV or, uh, dump their tanks. And, and, and so getting them, uh, eased into the lifestyle so that it, it's a, a better experience for them. When you served as a camp host, what were some of the typical duties that you did every day? So, for yeah, it. I mean, it just ranges. You have, you know, what's in writing as far as when someone moves, you check in guests 
um, you check them out. Uh, sometimes there's a kiosk where you're collecting fees and selling firewood. Uh, you clean the campsites for the new arrivals coming in, meaning you could be shoveling out fire pits, raking the grounds, um, picking up micro trash, uh, putting out fires. Unfortunately, there's some people leave burning. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, you have the, the great job of cleaning bathrooms, which is probably everyone's least favorite. Um, but in addition to all those things, it's, it's the other things that like helping someone set up a tent, you know, somebody forgot a generator. Well, you can borrow ours, um, uh, helping someone level out their trailer. Everyone, you know, has questions and wants to talk and a lot of it has to do with learning that the area that you're in because people want to know what's around getting out there on the trails and uh you know so it just it just ranges i mean it, it encompasses so many different things so you you have what's expected of you and and then you have the fun stuff you know where you get to help somebody set up a tent and you know possibly form that lifelong bond we were talking about just a few minutes ago in in every camp uh hosting position uh the area could require you to do more or less than what we were talking about so uh it, the one thing is it's 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 like almost soup to nuts than what we have been doing um from the uh initial checking in of the uh camper and to their leaving and getting ready for the next one i have not served as a camp host but i would imagine that it would be an enjoyable experience because most people are friendly and laid back and looking to relax although they might arrive a little haggard if they've had a bad <laughs> travel day you know, that happens every once in a while, but for the most part, you're right. Most campers are very relaxed, and that's because that's what they're coming here to do. You know, the, whether they're coming from a big city or, or somewhere else, um, they're looking to just get into nature, get into the woods, enjoy their fire and, you know, their family, and, and that's what it's all about. So I would say 99.9% .9 of the time, we are encountering um, very nice, relaxed people. What did you do for Amazon? Oh, for Amazon, uh, Amazon is one of the uh, one of those companies that uh, you you sign up and for some you, you sign up for the season, and then all of a sudden, once you get there, you find out what you're actually going to be doing. And some of the jobs that they have is um, pickers, packers, stowers. Then they have in between jobs like. Uh, doing inventory and things of that sort. So when we first started out in 2018, we were picking. And so that was the majority of the work that we did, basically um, filling orders where it was coming across over our handheld computers and we would walk the two or three football field long warehouse and go in the bins and pick out these orders and put them in a tote and then repeat the process until the tote was full and then put it on the line. And so that is the typical thing that we had done during the uh, peak season. But I also was able to uh, one season do uh, inventory. And that was a whole different ball game where it was a, a lot of counting of uh, small items and trying to bounce it against the computer. And if it wasn't right, recount again. So. Well, I, that surprises me because the Amazon warehouse that I toured, that was all robots that were running around, uh, moving products to the pickers themselves who were stationary. And uh, the robots would come in, turn around, and 
back in and you'd grab the product off the various bin and the robot would go back to where it was supposed to go and <laughs> it just repeated the process. But you guys were like yeah. human robots, it sounds like. Yes, yeah, those are the, the newer facilities um, that they are installing the uh, automated robots that um, do a lot of the moving of the bins to either the sorter um, that puts items in the bins or the picker that pulls the item. Um, but there are still facilities out there where where you're walking, you know, 12 to 14 miles a day and um, fulfilling orders. Was that a problem to walk that long or to stand that long? Rebecca found it enjoyable. I, um, well, <laughs> you know, I have a love-hate relationship with Amazon. Um, I love it because I think that it is great exercise, you know. Um, and if you're looking to make a quick buck in a short amount of time, Amazon is a great choice because you're guaranteed your 40 hours, at least, you know, we were because that's what we signed up for. And then there's almost always mandatory overtime. Um, you lose weight. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a great source or a great, a great way to stay in shape while you're making money. Having said that, of course, um, you know, people do need to be aware that if you are in one of those facilities where you're going to be that human robot, you know, where you're walking around the a million plus square foot facility piecing together online orders, just know that you are going to be walking um, I would venture to guess anywhere between 15 and 20 miles a day. And, you know, you're going to be traversing stairs. And a lot of it is on the first floor, which is sometimes concrete. So, you know, after a while, you're going to start feeling it. Um, so, yeah. But it'd be a great <laughs> way to keep skinny, I would think. Oh. Well, you know, that that's my love part of, you know, <laughs> when, <laughs> you know, after about four or five weeks into, you're like, oh, what'd we get into? But um, one, you know, one of the great things about work camping is um, we know that whatever job we take on, it is temporary for us because, you know, we do this so we can travel. So clearly we're moving all the time. Um, so any work camping job we decide to take part in is, is going to be temporary. So when you have that mind frame, nothing is really that bad. I mean, we could stand on our head for two weeks if that's what was requested of us, right? Because there's an end to it. So, right. um, you know, and, and knowing that makes everything easier, right? Okay. So, mm -hmm. and, and then one of the things, the newer locations where they have uh, the automated robots, um, some people may not like to just stand in one area uh, bending and stooping and, and hitting buttons and things without being able to walk and stretch out. So, um, you know, that, that is a different part that I experienced uh, this year when I did, or last year when I did the uh, fulfillment center. It was a flex center, and they did have the automated robots. And you're confined to an area, and you're bending and stooping and climbing steps, but, you know, you're, you're not able to stretch out as much. So I didn't find that as uh, something that I liked as much as walking uh, the football field. What was it like for you to work at the beet harvest? <laughs> oh, you, you know, the thing is, is that you get an appreciation for the farmers yes. um, and where your food <laughs> come, comes from. Because, you know, like, you know, probably 90% of the Americans, they just go to a grocery store and they have no connection with where these products come from. And it was to see the work ethic of the, uh, the farmers, you know, working early in the morning, late in the evening, 
and bringing product to be uh, stored for the winter to make a, a product like sugar, it, it was it was interesting, and it, it gave me a uh, a more appreciation for the uh, farmer and everything that it, it takes to go ahead and bring those things to uh, market. But being out there, standing in one spot, uh, you know, shoveling mud that has been dumped after the uh, they dump their beets and uh, the cold weather, and sometimes it was hot weather. And depending on the uh, the weather, you could either work or you could not work. So the beet harvest was one of those things that, you know, was kind of the year that I worked, it was up in the air. Uh, if it rained too much, we stayed home. If it was too hot, we stayed home. So it stretched the season out instead of the 14 days. It was a full 30-plus days, and wow. we stayed extra so that we could uh, finish the, the uh, beet harvest itself. Are you going to do it again this year? No, we are going to go to the East Coast, South Carolina. After, after here. here. Yeah, after here, we'll be heading to the East Coast to um, visit some family um, because we skipped the East Coast last year uh, or this year, I guess last year. Um, and, uh, you know, hitting up some of our yearly doctor's appointments and things like that. And then um, beyond that, we don't know. We typically don't plan too far out into the future because things usually evolve <laughs> before we get to that point. Uh, but that's where we're going from here. How do you typically find your work camping jobs? Where do we find them? We, at the beginning, we, and we still do, we still use workcamper.com. And I have a membership and yeah, I see the hot jobs come across. But we've been lucky that when we, initially when we started in 2018, we used specifically the workcamper.com and got some leads from there. And from those leads, now we have, you know, jobs that are consistent where they're asking us to come back. So it's not really looking for the jobs. It's basically the employer asking, Hey, are you going to come back next year? So, um, that's where, where we're at in, in our work camping. Or staying with the same company and just moving to a new location like we did this year. Last year we were in Mammoth Lakes, California. And, um, through a referral from the manager we worked for then we, obtained this job here so we didn't there wasn't a formal process that we had to go through and then with amazon the camper force they constantly are trying you know they they reach out to you to recruit you for the next peak season right. so that's been been very easy you actually us. with amazon once you work with them they will reach out to anybody who's worked for them the previous year first before they open up positions to um new the hires. new hires correct are you going to do that again this fall? We we are not going to do that uh, this fall. We're going to go ahead, like we said, uh, go to the East Coast and, and take care of some visiting family and some doctor's appointments and then take it from there. We're going to be disowned if we don't get back to the <laughs> East Coast pretty soon. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we were really good about visiting uh, once a year for our first three years. This last year, we didn't quite make it back there and... Um, so we need to make a trip. We Did, need to show our faces. <laughs> didn't you say you had some children? Yes, we do have children. How yes, many? and they are on the, between us four, I have two, and um, my son is in Hawaii. He's in the military, so that's where he's stationed. My daughter is in South Carolina on the East Coast, um, 
Sal's daughter is in Florida, and so is his son, just in different uh, just in different cities. So we can kill many birds with one stone by visiting the oh, East yeah. Coast. <laughs> there you go. You said you traveled with some dogs, too. Oh, yeah. We have two. We have uh, Richie, who is uh, almost five. Is he yeah, five? He's five. five and then we have Beefy, and she's actually my son's dog, but... Um, I guess when he got stationed over there, he found out that Hawaii has a, a statewide ban on pit bulls. Beefy is a pit bull mix. Oh. So she wasn't able to go. And so he reached out to us and asked if we would babysit for three years. And she's been an awesome <laughs> addition to our family. Oh, man. She's, she's a very good girl. Yeah, they're both great dogs. We love them. Can't they, imagine doing this without them. They are very so We're traveling. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we're traveling with uh, 270. 70 pound dog and a 23 <laughs> foot airship. So it, you know, uh, space is at a, at a premium, but, uh, beefy is a, is a love bug. So she, she just snuggles into the smallest locations that she can get into. And, uh, it, it, it's been great traveling with, uh, the dogs because they, they get you out. They, you know, you'll get to a location and they want to explore it just as much as you do. And, and the walks really help. Um, for them to know the area and you to get to know the area as well. It'd be a real challenge, I would think, to snuggle with them in bed. Those are some big animals. Oh. oh, no, there's there's no problem there at all. See, <laughs> Sal just gets kicked out of the bed. He has to convert the dinette <laughs> into a bed. And then uh, Richie is not a snuggler. He's the one that's he's brown and he's really soft and fluffy looking. And you would just think he's such a snuggler, but he's not. <laughs> Beefy, the pit bull, who is nothing but muscle, you know, she's the snuggler. So it's like hugging a rock. But um, <laughs> but nonetheless, I cannot deny her Sal's face in bed. <laughs> so she has taken over Sal's spot. That's funny. <laughs> Have you folks faced any challenges, either in work camping or in the RV experience? Um, as far as challenges with the RVing goes, I would say that our biggest challenge is probably consistent quality health care. You know, when you are stationary, when you live in a sticks and bricks or whatever you live in, as long as it's stationary, you find a doctor you like the doctor, so you keep that doctor, and you keep going back to him or her. They know you. They know your ailments. They, you know, you're not you're not in constant search of a good doctor. And when you are on the road, that is not as much the case, unfortunately. Um, so we still have to have our yearly checkups. We still have to go to the dentist, and um, sometimes you run into good doctors, and other times not so much. So. If there was one thing I could change about full-time RVing, it would probably be that. Um, all of our doctors are on the East Coast in South Carolina, where we came from. And um, like I said earlier, we have been pretty good about making a yearly visit, getting those doctor appointments knocked out and visiting family, except for this last year. So uh, for the first time, we had to find new doctors for various things. And, um, you know, it was a challenge because it's just not the same as going to someone who already knows you. Yeah. And then when you start looking at vet care, because, yeah. um, our, our dog beefy, she was uh, diagnosed with cancer back in last August, the August of last year, and just trying to get the chemo and the treatment as far as when you're changing locations and getting that consistent care. 
And Richie has also been, uh, he, he has his own little elements with his little hips and uh, his, his own personal problems that require vet care. And that can get tricky when you're trying to uh, get them seen and get these things taken care of. And you have to go through several different uh, vets in different locations that can be difficult as well. I understand that. I've heard from several people that have faced similar challenges, but they've told me that they've been trying this thing called telemedicine that some clinics are offering now so that you can just call mm-hmm. up either by phone or video and talk with the doctor. Is Have you tried that? No, no, we not. We have not. No, I have. I have a thyroid issue, so I mm. take medication for that. So I have to see an endocrinologist and mine has always been on the East coast and, you know, he's a wonderful doctor and everything. And I've always gone back to see him except for this last year. So this last year has been a little challenging. Um, but, uh, so yeah, that's, that's just one of the things that we probably dislike the most about, um, about full-time RVing. And like he said, with, with Richie, um, and beefy both beefy's in remission by the way. So that's great. She's several months now cancer free, but she still has to see an oncologist once every six to eight weeks to make sure that she doesn't come out of remission. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, every time we change locations, I have to find a new oncologist for her. And that's hard too, because sometimes you come across really good ones and you don't want to leave. And you sometimes wonder, are we being selfish? Mm -hmm. Um, so sometimes there's a, a bit of a moral struggle with uh, the lifestyle that we're living. But having said that, um, the flip side for her as well is not getting to visit all these places either. And they love it. They get to try a new trail, you know, all mm-hmm. the time, almost every day and new smells and new animals. And um, they're having as much of a good time as we are. And Greg, one of the things that we experienced during the uh this COVID period is our truck. It's something that we had never experienced before. And, uh, we had a transmission problem on our truck and, uh, we had found that it was the, the scheduling of a repair was so hard because of the shortage of technicians. And when you're pulling your home with a vehicle or you're driving your home, if you have any problems with that mode of transportation, now you have to try to find a place for an extended period of time close to a location to get it repaired. And we were lucky. We, you know, it was a six month ordeal to try to arrange it, but it, that was one of the things that we were, you know, we hadn't experienced until that point, but found that it, it, it can throw a, a wrench in the program if, if you do have a mechanical issue. That doesn't sound like it'd be very pleasant at all, but you were able to resolve it favorably? Oh, yeah. It was. It was. It was actually ended up being a warranty issue, and it wasn't as big of a deal as it could have been, I guess. But the main issue was just trying to find a shop that we could get the vehicle into and have it looked at as soon as possible. And this was not too long ago. And like Sal said, there was just such a um, shortage on help that there was such a, a, a wait list for cars to be seen and fixed. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, like Sal said, when you are pulling your home with a separate vehicle, you might not like the location you're in at the time, but guess what? That's going to be home until it's fixed. So <laughs> we were stationary until we got our truck back. Yeah. And, you know, we happened to be in court site at the time. And luckily, 
we got out of there before it got too hot. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, and so if you're, if you're on a budget and you're, you're looking at, well, I boondock or I dry camp or something like that. And you find out that, okay, well now I have an issue where I need full hookups. I need some place that is dependable as far as electricity for AC and things that, you know, it, it can get hard if you're in an, a location that doesn't have that availability, but we were, lucky to be in courtside at the end of the season where a lot of those spots had opened up and we were able to stay stationary while the the truck got repaired. What are some of the places that are still on your bucket list where you'd really like to go and explore? We don't have many left, if we're being honest. Um, um, I would have to say probably some of the New England states I would like to get up into. Um, And possibly Alaska. I'm, you know, honestly, I'm kind of torn about Alaska. I thought Alaska was on my bucket list, but I got to the point where I think I figured out that maybe it's just on my bucket list because I think it's on everyone else's. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what the true draw is. Um, So we'll see about Alaska, but uh, definitely some of the New England states. Alaska is spectacularly beautiful uh, with the Kodak moment just around every corner. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But it but is a, a long, long drive. drive. To get there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you have to time it right, right? Because uh, we don't want to go when it's too cold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is there any advice you would give to people who are considering becoming a work camper? Yes. Yeah. Do your homework. Do, definitely do your homework. Um, and for many reasons. Um, one of the mistakes we made when we first uh, looked at being work campers was we were camp hosts and mammoth lakes and cold water creek campgrounds which is uh, over 9,000 feet in elevation and we had very little if none uh, cell phone reception and internet beautiful location yeah beautiful location but we didn't take that into consideration we probably failed to ask the question so while it was nice when we first got there to kind of be off grid and not hear the dinging and pinging on your phone all the time. After about a month, it kind of became um, a pain uh, when you realize you have to drive down the mountain just to make a phone call um, or to get on the internet or really to have any communication with the outside world. Uh, Climate, the higher in elevation you go, you need to remember that it gets cold and it snows when you think it should not, like in July and September sometimes, you know, so you know, you need to consider that as well. Um, and the details about any job that you're considering, um, whether or not it has full hookups, you know, meaning water, electricity, and sewer, that's not always, uh, that information isn't always provided to you up front. So ask the question. These things matter when it comes to convenience, especially when you're going to be in a certain location for several months at a time. You know, you want it to be as convenient for you as possible. So, so doing your homework and investigating the, uh, the job that you're looking at, uh, for work camping and even maybe going out in some of the, uh, Facebook groups and asking questions about who, who has worked there or looking at workcamper.com and looking at the comments that, uh, previous work campers experienced because, you know, these jobs do have requirements. And the more you know about the requirements, then you know if you can meet them satisfactorily. And, and if 
And if you, if you can't, then you move on to the next one. But the worst thing to do is to get to a location and, you know, you, you, you've put all of your energy in finding that one thing and all of a sudden you get there and it's not what you expected because you didn't, you didn't do your homework and find out what was the requirements or where it was located and things of that sort. Yeah. A, a good example of that would be like, you know, Amazon. And while if you're, you know, looking over the requirements, physical requirements anyways, for working at, let's say an Amazon facility where uh, the robot is not coming to you, but you are walking 15, 20 miles a day. Um, you know, you really have to be aware of what your physical limitations are. We, we saw, you know, many times people hired on with us and then, you know, three, four weeks later, they're no, they're not around because they weren't meeting the quota that was set for them. So, you know, same thing with, uh, thing with camp hosting right. as well. I mean, you have to shovel out fire pits, you have to rake sites, um, you know, so you're moving yeah. logs and, and so there are physical requirements to at least all of the jobs that we've worked so far, just know what they are and be honest with yourself and know whether or not you can meet them. And if not, find something that you can, because there's lots of jobs out there. That's great insight, guys. I really appreciate that. I understand that you are combining some of these things that you've learned into a website and some videos, uh, with a group that you've created called Tin Can Travelers. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we are the Tin Can Travelers. We have a website. Um, we'll put up a post every once in a while, something that we want to write about. Um, we, not too long ago, started our YouTube channel, the Tin Can Travelers. Um, and uh, so we started making videos of some of our experiences and some of the topics that we feel are important to talk about to people who are either in the lifestyle or thinking about embarking on the lifestyle, uh, things that we wish we knew before we hit the road. So uh, between, you know, the website and our YouTube channel, we also have a Facebook account and an Instagram as well. We kind of share and, uh, you know, share information with, you know, all of our followers and and we learn things from our followers too. It it is a good community. I mean, the one thing about full-time travelers uh, if they have social media accounts, there's a lot of information to be had out there. You can give it and you can get it. And people are generally very, very nice. And you can send direct messages. And if anyone sends us messages or emails, we, we answer them. And, yeah, and if we can't answer them, we try to point them in the right direction so that they can get a, uh, a, a quality answer about their question. Yeah. Quality answers are important because there are a lot of people out there who are self-described experts who've read a couple of books, who think they know all the answers. And so having somebody who's been doing it for many years has got to be a good resource for people to look at. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we we hope that, you know, we provide uh, good information for people who are thinking about. uh, We just try to keep, uh, you know, we try to remember when we started off some of the things that we didn't know. A lot of people think you're supposed to know certain things, and and you just don't. There's so much that goes into deciding – you know, about hitting the road that you're going to miss stuff and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to, you know, if I had only done this or if I'd only known that or whatever the case may be. So if in any way we can help alleviate some of that for somebody, then, you know, we're there. We're constantly learning as well from so many of the, you know, the experienced campers and uh, uh, full-time RVers that are out there. Um, and, And so, 
we're definitely not experts to the point where we can't learn anything new. Uh, we're definitely um, learning every day, every day. That's a very good point, Rebecca, because when you're new to this, sometimes you're so new, you don't even know what questions to ask. So don't be afraid to ask people questions because every one of us have been through there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Well, this has been fascinating, guys. I really appreciate the time. It sounds like you're having a heck of an experience out there on the road, and I wish you the best of luck in the future. Oh, thank thank you. you Yeah, thank you for inviting us on your podcast. We appreciate it very much. Thank you very much, Greg. I appreciate Hakeem Saludin and Rebecca Bailey for taking time to talk to us today and describe their RVing and work camping experiences. I like how as a campground host, Sal sees himself more as a camping ambassador in greeting guests and helping new campers and RVers get a good start on their experiences. By easing them into a travel lifestyle, it creates a much more enjoyable experience for everyone. Rebecca likes to help people make the most of whatever time they have to spend in an area so she gets to know where the fun, out-of-the-way things to do can be found, and then she shares those with other guests. When it comes to finding work camping jobs, Sal and Rebecca typically don't plan too far in advance. They haven't had problems finding positions. This fall, the couple is planning to head to the East Coast to do some family things and check in with their doctors and dentists. The only really big challenge they faced is getting service work done on their truck due to a lack of technicians. Like RV service, sometimes there's a wait list to get trucks and cars repaired as well. The couple also encourages work campers to do their homework before accepting a job. For example, will they be able to get cell phone signals or have internet service in the area they'll be living for six months? Also, be sure you understand what employers consider to be a full hookup campsite because sometimes it may differ from your expectations. Sal and Rebecca started a website for other people traveling in an Airstream. Called the Tin Can Travelers, it connects people with one another and describes work camping jobs they've held over the years. They've also produced a variety of videos describing things to do in areas they visit, as well as offer tips on improving the travel lifestyle. You can connect to Sal and Rebecca and view all their blog posts and videos by visiting www.thetincantravelers.com. I know they have lots of adventures still left on their bucket list, so I wish Sal and Rebecca the best of luck for a fun and memorable work camping experience. Today's episode was sponsored by The Dreamer's Journey. It's an online course and community produced by Work Camper News. Life is way too short to keep your dreams on hold, so don't be held back by fear because you were designed for more. Get started in the RV lifestyle the right way with this comprehensive guide. For just $29.95 for one year of access, Dreamers have unlimited viewing of 50-plus videos to learn things like what type of RV to buy, goal setting, how to budget for the adventure, developing a positive mindset, setting up a domicile, and operating a small business on the road, plus everything about work camping and how to find the right job for you. Each video is 30 to 90 minutes long to give in-depth coverage on each topic. There's no wrong time to get started. So for more information, visit www.rvdreamersjourney.com. That's all I have for this week's show. Next time I'll be speaking with an employer who will describe an outstanding way for work campers to truly experience all that Yellowstone National Park has to offer. 
I'll have details on the next episode of The Work Camper Show. Thanks for listening.